is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right of the London is Blue podcast. It is our new castle match preview. We are getting you ready for this weekend's action. No Brandon here. You got your host Dan and Nick as well. Back in the action, back in the fray. How you doing, my friend? Dan and Nick save the world pod. I think everyone should be excited for the absolute dime that we're going to drop on this one. And uh, look, I'm all right. You know, the, the bachelor party continues to take it out of me this entire week. But but you know what? We're going to rally and uh, we're going to get ready for this Newcastle game on Saturday. Well, another opportunity for you and everyone else who's a Chelsea supporter to watch the Blues hopefully pick up another three points and remain top of the Premier League table. We are going to get into how Newcastle are currently doing. We're going to take a look at some questions we have around Chelsea right now, talk about starting lineups, score predictions, and maybe some inconceivable predictions that we might have for the match. And then we've got a couple of mailbag questions that Nick and I will answer from the wonderful Patreon community we have. And hey, you know what? We also have a youth update from Brandon and our friend Phil. Chelsea Youth. So we are going to get into all that. We want to thank Kays Evans for a wonderful five-star review in Apple Podcast. We appreciate that. If you haven't done it yet, leave a review right now you know, or be a hero and just, you know, take a friend's phone and leave a five-star review that way too. Always appreciate it. It's not cheating the system. It's just being smart. Nick, it's time though. Three-word match preview, the patented tried and true way for us to encapsulate our feelings into three words about what we're hoping to see in the match. That is right. There's a theme to both of ours. Um, Seeing as Newcastle are are down on the table and have been abject so far this season, uh, I went with send them down. Let's start that train. Let's just start the the losing streak that they should go on through the end of the year. That's a good one. I went with the activate parachute payments because (laughs) uh, similar to yourself, I'm hoping that we can continue this momentum of allowing a newly cash-rich club in Newcastle uh, potentially just find their way down to the bottom. You know, we've got plenty of foes who are looking to get up from the championship, including Bournemouth and West Brom. So the promotions don't excite me at all. Let's just get one team out of there that we don't like necessarily playing against all the time. But Nick, the results have not been great for a team that has not yet recorded a win in any competitions this season, and that is Newcastle. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, They are uh, not very good, it turns out. Um, You know, a handful of draws and and mostly losses uh, on the season. Uh, Look, I mean, they haven't even played that hard of a schedule if if we're looking at it. You know, like they've played... Uh, West Ham, obviously a decent team. Villa, weird. Southampton, down. Manchester United, terrible. I mean, I think we all can admit they're just an awful team. Leeds United, not nearly what they were last year. Watford, Wolves, Tottenham, terrible team. Crystal Palace. I mean, like, they haven't played a hard schedule. And yet, Dan, all I see is, what, four points on the table? that's That's what they got so far. And they fired their manager... After, you know, keeping them up the last two years, I mean, they're just they're a mess right now. I mean, this is this is not a team that has threatened goal very often at all. Well, it is the storm before the calm, hopefully, for Newcastle. (laughs) They're trying to invert the order here. And, you know, a couple of the regular suspects who are trying to find some good return on value for Newcastle 
Callum Wilson, who uh, definitely loves to to score against teams in blue uh, on four goals for the season so far. You also have uh, St. Maximin, who's been probably one of their better offensive players. Two goals, three assists across the nine matches so far this season. I mean, is anyone else really you're looking at thinking, I'm concerned about this player. I'm concerned about this roster. Because I think in general, even with the injuries that Chelsea have, this should be a team we go and do the business against. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not. I mean, there just aren't many goals to look, to look around. Like Willick was good for them at the end of last season. I think everyone will remember he went on loan there from Arsenal um, and, and played pretty well. And Almiron has been okay, but I mean, there's just not a whole lot of creativity in here. The, the strength of their team, I think, is is largely in the way that Steeper set them up to kind of bunker in. They played a kind of a 3-5-2 in, in a lot of ways. And I think Willick was allowed to kind of that free fro, uh, floating role in the middle. So, um, I you know, I just don't I don't look at this and get scared by Joel Linton's one assist. You know, I, I don't I don't look at Callum Wilson, who's, you know, I guess doing OK on the goals, but is is often injured you know i mean darlow their goalkeeper has been okay uh this year you know i think he's been all right and i think he's been playing uh pretty well over the last couple of years but look they're down on the table for a reason this is just not a very good team and and we said this about norwich last last weekend or last match preview this is a team that chelsea have to beat flat out i know newcastle is a bogey place for us to play i know that we've struggled there in the past when they were much better than they are now but we got to go there and just absolutely stamp our authority on this team because they are uh they're not it chief they are not it indeed i think what's interesting is they have been able in a lot of situations this season to actually overperform their expected goals so if you think about like just even look at the last uh, three matches where uh, the game against Wolves expected goal of 0.6. They get their one against Tottenham, a 3-2 loss that was actually pretty entertaining with the way that uh, Newcastle got into that one. 0.4 expected goals, they score two. And then against Crystal Palace again, 0.4, and they got one goal. So like even though they're not necessarily creating a ton, they're still finding weird ways to score. And like that has all the makings of like, I don't know, it's Halloween weekend, it's spooky, it's scary, it's creepy, it's crawly, and somehow, like, just Newcastle, like, is the type of team that's just gonna pop up with, like, a wonder goal, and you're like, yeah, okay, I guess that fits, that fits the narrative here. Yeah, I mean, on the other side, though, they're leaking a lot of goals. So, you know, as as Chelsea have just been lighting up the score sheet uh, as of as of late uh you know you you could see them ship a few pretty easily they're also a team that you know i think i I remember back to the manchester united result right they they tied up against united and then completely fell apart uh in the second half and just let in three really easy goals um so i think if chelsea go into this game if if they're looking to put him to the sword early it'll be a really easy day out because athletically we have them uh, tactically. We have them, and we just have more talent than they do. So let's just, you know, I think I think if Chelsea's looking at this team, punch them in the mouth early, see if they respond. I don't think they will. All right. Well, they patented Nick Verlaney, punch him in the mouth, and see what happens. Bam, bam. This is hopefully bam. a tactic that Thomas Tuchel will employ this weekend. He hasn't called me about tr- it. I, I just, I'm offended. Hey, Nick. <laughs> 
any thoughts for the weekend? He's, he's just che- he's checking his DMs right now. He's wondering where your your note is at. Uh, anyway, uh, we're gonna take our quick break, real quick. We want to thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back to talk lineup, score predictions, inconceivable predictions, and then a Chelsea youth update before our mailbag. We'll be right back. All right. So looking ahead, Nick, at Chelsea, yeah. we have some lineup questions. We have some. Questions around, and again, we are recording this on a Thursday evening. There's a press conference tomorrow. Half the things we're about to say may be wrong tomorrow, but we do know there are a couple of individuals that we should not count on being available for this match, most likely Lukaku and Werner, who have not been spotted in any type of training pictures. Tuchel talked about Aspi being a strong guy, being one of our strongest, but maybe not being ready for the weekend. And we've only now... Just seen, he is still alive. He is still a Chelsea player, Christian Pulisic, in trading photos for the first time since the dawn of mankind or in the year 2021 in the start of the season. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Um, look, uh, none of those players are going to play this weekend. All right. Just just take them out of your fantasy lineup. <laughs> take them out of, of your of your predicted lineup. I mean, uh, you know, it obviously is great to see Christian back amongst the team and training you would imagine he's probably still a ways out though i mean if he's just back in first team training that means there's some fitness to get back and and all that kind of stuff and you just hope that he stays healthy so i I won't address that any further but you know i I think looking at this we made a lot of substitutions midweek so that we could go into this weekend as strong as seemingly possible and so i think except for one uh, notable change in our lineup, Dan. Uh, we both have the same lineup, and it kind of picks itself. Almost twinsies. Almost twinsies so with close. our lineups. Uh, look, I think it's Mendy. The only thing that we disagree on is the back line, so we'll touch on that last. But I think it's a midfield of James, Jorginho, Conte, and Chilwell, and then Mount Havertz and Hudson-Odoi as our three attackers. We both went with Silva. We both went with the man, the myth ledge himself, Antonio Rudiger, and then we differed on our last center back option. You're going for Mr. Toothache himself, Andreas Christensen, and I went with Big Trev Energy. Big, yeah. Trev Look, Chalaba. I I think I think Trev played a lot in the last two matches, and I think Christensen is is back. So you know, I'm, I would put him in there. But believe me, if Trev starts, I'll be super happy for him. I mean, I think this run that he's on right now is just tremendous and again like i said in in the midweek match review i i am just so like proud of him for for how well he's coming into this team i mean uh, it is it is just great so i think it's gonna be christensen you think it's gonna be shalaba either way we're happy i mean if i had told you at this point in the start of the season that trev chalaba was gonna have more minutes than mason mount in the premier league so far would you believe me i would not dan no if i had said that Churchill was going to have more minutes than N'Golo Conte. Mm. I mean, a little bit more easy to understand that one. I don't know. Who else does he have more minutes than Dan? More minutes than Reese James. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. I like that one. More minutes than Ben Joel. Yeah, I mean, didn't play for a while, so that makes sense. Within eight minutes of matching Thiago Silva. Okay, that's surprising that Silva has more than him, actually. I wouldn't have guessed that. That, that is interesting. Now, that's just for the league, because if you flip it to all competitions and then you go sort by minutes again, I mean, Trev Chalaba uh, does benefit a little bit. Uh, still ahead of Mason, goes ahead of Thiago Silva. Um, 
because he obviously he had the Super Cup appearance, you know, he started the season where some of the players were just coming back from Euros. Uh, but actually, Kovacic is currently our minutes leader with only Antonio Rudiger and uh, Edouard Mendy right behind him in the plus thousand minutes club for this season, so far this season. Well, we, we put up a little thread on, on the Twitter today about old Mateo Kovacic, uh, didn't we? And uh, it, it turns out having quite the start to the year. Um D- despite some uh, some critics, uh, I think you know it's it's probably not a surprise that you know we we've had uh, some back and forth uh, with Ingolo and, uh, and and Jorginho being injured and, and such. So, and that's that's kind of the the interesting piece now is is Kovacic going to continue to feature regularly throughout the season? And you know that's. Only time will tell there. Yeah, I know that neither of us had him in the lineup for this match. I think mainly because he he did play midweek, had a heavy amount of minutes. And, you know, we have another match next week. We play away to Malmo and we have to win there. We put ourselves in a bit of a precarious position, having lost to Juventus in the Champions League. So you could imagine that he potentially gets the start there. And then we have a match against Burnley, who, you know, Love to be, you know, the most pro footballing side. It's always sexy and slick when you go play Burnley. You know, it's never anti football. It's never heavy fouling. So, you would hope that this would allow for the appropriate rotation between now and the next international break. But yeah, I don't, I don't see Kovacic starting. But again, to your point, having a really good start to the season. Score predictions, though. What's your thought here? You are, you are very bullish on the high flying Thomas Tuchel over before we XG flying circus that we got going on here i think if if you're playing these bottom of the table sides given the form that liverpool are in given the form that city are in you gotta you gotta run up goal differential while you can i think it's going to be newcastle nil chelsea four and probably won't even be that close wow so in your face dan how about that take some of that yeah, I went with Newcastle nil, Chelsea with two goals, uh, which actually is what I had asked for last time, and uh, Chelsea overperformed. So I'm hopefully keeping by, that trend going. Five. The one, <laughs> the one thing five. I will say, to Newcastle's credit, only two matches so far this season, all competitions, that they have not scored in. And it was in the uh, the cup match against Burnley, and it was in the second match of the season against Aston Villa. They have been able to score past every other team. And look, again, I know Manchester United has a top four defense. I completely understand that. Maybe better than ours. Uh, they still got a goal past them. So who knows? It could be tough. I mean, really, though? I mean, come on. <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? I, like, you, you can give me that all you want. But, like, at the end of the day... It's it's a little bit about us and our defense, though, right, Dan? Like, Mendy's in incredible form. Our defense has played stellar this year. I mean, a blip against Southampton midweek, right? Like, the defense has been unbelievable. Um, didn't give uh, Norwich a sniff. Uh, came up clutch against Brentford. Uh, absolutely bossed Malmo. Like, this is a run of fixtures where the defense should be shutting teams out and we should be increasing our goal differential pretty significantly. I like the sound of that. And I'm sure our listeners do as well. What is your 
inconceivable prediction. For those who maybe are listening to the first time, this is where we try to come up with something really crazy and see if it happens. Uh, I did, you know, not to pat myself on the back for it, but I did call the own goal against Norwich, and uh, that happened. So <laughs> occasionally we get these things right, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, that was nice. That was a good one. Um, I think that Mason Mount is going to continue his insane tariff form. Uh, he's just getting a season really kicked off. I think he's going to have two goals and two assists in this one. Absolutely boss Newcastle. Uh, will they be open play assists? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. If they're not, what are we going to do? Uh, no, I think one's going to come from a corner and the other is going to be an open field assist, open play assist. Love it. Well, uh, I went with one that I think is a little bit more realistic, and that's Rudiger is going to score from one of his long-ass shots this game. <laughs> of course. How realistic. It's so realistic that he's finally going to get one from way deep. Look, it's just all, all it is about him just lowering that eye line, lowering that eye line every time he takes it, and he'll eventually get there. It's just about calibration at this point. It's what got it, the power. <laughs> what if the coaches during training were just like, all right, man, love what you're doing, but you're just looking up at the stands too much. Like, that's your problem, and that's where the ball's going. It's like when people are trying to fix my fucking golf swing. Like, here's the problem, Nick. You're looking at the ground, and that's where the ball's going. So figure it out, you know? See, there you go. Right there. You can't, you've can't. provided your own solution to the problem. It's fantastic. Uh, again, uh, Tuchel, uh, Nick is available. His DMs are open. You are welcome to his up for advice. But anyway. I'll, I'm going to cost <laughs> you tens of dollars, my friend. Okay? Tens. Uh we are going to give Brandon his opportunity to shine alongside Phil here with a bit of an Academy update, but we will come back with a couple of Chelsea and non-Chelsea related questions from our wonderful Patreon community, and uh, that will round out the rest of this pod. So uh, get stuck in for Academy updates. All right, time for the weekly youth update with the youth aficionado himself at Chelsea Youth, Phil. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been uh, another interesting week on every front. There just seems to be more football and more competitions than than ever before, but at least it gives us plenty to talk about every week. It sure does, which is great because, I mean, well, what else would we do if we didn't? So uh, jumping into it right at the top, um, we had a couple of the academy players on the bench for the Carabao Cup match against Southampton, didn't we? We did. We had Harvey Vale and Teddy Sharman Lowe, who both very much deserved their first official involvement with the senior match day squad. Uh, Teddy's been with them for previously cup tie as the additional goalkeeper, but was named on the bench for this one, which was uh, a gesture that was deliberate because you don't have to put two goalkeepers on a bench, especially a, a, in the League Cup. So, but the decision to name him there was not just because of injuries and absentees, but reward for some very good progress this season after missing most of last season injured. So he did well, but um, obviously we know Harvey Vale's been doing very well for the development squad throughout 2021, and that was just reward for him as well. Right. So you got Harvey striker up top, Charmin Low goalkeeper in the back, very much splitting the two ends of the field. Um, how do you think Harvey would do? He's short against you know Premier League opposition it's not that he can't find a way to make it work but like I guess do you think he would operate more successfully in maybe a bit of a wider area uh possibly I mean as as we know he can play in a lot of roles for the development squad he's he's played as a, a number 10 or a number eight sometimes he's played as a left wing back uh, for the under 18s uh, previously he has played as a as a nine and as a false nine, because they're two different things. I think in the, the in Thomas Tuchel's team, he would play as one of the two tens 
if he was to have been involved against Southampton, it would have been in Hakim Ziyech's role. And obviously Mason Mount was brought on for him instead. And I understand that there's only so much scope in a 90-minute match that doesn't go to extra time and that does go to penalties for for making substitutions and changes would have been made with one eye on penalties. And yes, while Harvey has taken five penalties this season, you don't immediately want to throw a debutant on into a shootout necessarily. It's disappointing that you don't get some minutes, but that's the way that the match went in the end. Um, in terms of where he'd be used, it would be as one of the attacking midfielders or in somewhere in that front three right now with a view to seeing what he can do moving forward. But you don't want to throw him into an already crowded central midfield or station him out of wing back, um, especially with the way the wing backs are being used at first team level right now as well. Right. And then I think it's also there's a little bit more room for error in that space versus, you know, especially a wing back. Absolutely none in the center mid with two in the middle and there's no yeah if you put him in a front three it's sort of okay look go and enjoy it make something happen there is some responsibility on you to to defend from the front and to press but there's there's a lot of players behind you if if it takes you a little while to get up to the speed and the pace of the game not that it necessarily would we've seen that debutants have come into Chelsea's team over the last two years and hit the ground running in most cases and I have to think that anybody who deserves the opportunity whether it's in attack or elsewhere in the team would uh, be a credit to themselves if they get that chance love it all right well let's move over to the 18s who drew 4-4 at fulham uh absolute shootout uh and remember for those of you that are confused fulham are good at the youth level um so it's not quite the drab affair when chelsea play fulham in the premier league phil is it it never is fulham (laughs) are very very good at under 18 level and this was an absolute doozy of a match it was four apiece it could have been eight apiece there were a penalty for either team it was end-to-end in every single regard. Fulham were behind early and then bounced back to go 2-1 up. Chelsea were 3-2 at half-time. Fulham then went 4-3. So I think the fact that they finished four apiece was deserved point for either team. They both had a claim to say they could and should have won it, but you could just sit back and enjoy the spectacle of the of the game. Chelsea went a little bit stronger than they usually do at under-18 level. They uh, they had Jude Stunstad-Bell down at that level for the first time this season. He's usually with the development squad. They had uh, Brody Hughes and Lewis Hall, who have been mostly development squad this season, despite being first-year scholars. Uh, Charlie Webster came back down. He's done that a bit recently. The reason for that was that the development squad had a game later on Saturday, but the under-16s were also away at a Premier League tournament all weekend, which they won. So there's plenty of talent still coming through at Cobham, as we, uh, as is demonstrated there. But usually, we've already had seven under-16s play for the under-18s this season, playing up an age group. So with them unavailable, you, you have a smaller pool of players to distribute around the teams, as we've discussed many times this season. You have to plan ahead. So the decision was taken to bring a couple of them back down to the under-18 group. Uh, Jude scored twice, Edwin Anderson scored twice. And it's it's a positive result. They, they're dis- they'd be disappointed that they didn't get the win because everybody above them in the league dropped points. So it, it's all compacted up again. It's a very tight Southern League table. Chelsea are now just three points off Fulham at the top. But there's Fulham on 16, Leicester on 15, Arsenal and Crystal Palace on 14, and Chelsea and Southampton and Brighton all on 13. It's still only maybe a quarter of the way through the season. So there's a lot of shuffling uh, to be done even before Christmas. But if Chelsea had taken two more points there, they would have been top on their own right. So disappointing, but they, they showed plenty of positive character, positive fight and uh plenty of quality as well yeah absolutely um 
you know, I, again, you talk about, I think they stacked the deck a little bit because they knew the level of competition that they were going after and that you got, you need to keep it close, you need to keep the momentum. So, uh, I think that makes sense. Uh, the dev squad, interesting because they had two matches, right? They had the last They did. They went to Leicester on Saturday evening, uh, where they got a credible one-one draw. Leicester had a, a couple of senior first-team fringe players, uh, Papis Mendy and Philip Benkovic played. Um, they were ahead. Chelsea uh, Brian Thierry continuing his recent impressive goal-scoring form. So Leicester pegged them back, uh, and again, it's it's never a bad point if you can get a result away from home, keep the unbeaten run going. That took them into. The, the midweek game in the EFL Trophy at Cheltenham, they'd already qualified from the group. So there was an opportunity there to to mix it up and to, to have a look at some other players. Edwin Anderson made his dev squad debut. Uh, there were a few changes here and there. That was a nil-nil draw. Chelsea lost on penalties, so they got the point. They didn't get the additional point from the shootout. They can still top the group. Bristol Rovers play Exeter in the the final match in the group during the international break, and depending on how that goes, Chelsea will either win the group or qualify as runners up. It kind of matters because the group winner plays a runner up in the second round draw. It's still regionalised at that point, but it also doesn't matter because the way that the group shake out, you may end up playing a weaker team that's ended up on top. It, uh, so. It, it, you, you, you want to win a group for the status, but you find them, if you're going to win a competition, you're going to play a good team at some point. So I don't right. think it matters too much. Well, that was the irony, right? Of like Champions League in the last few years with Chelsea, like you win your group and then you play Barcelona. You're like, what? Like I thought exactly. you were supposed to be rewarded. But to your point, in in cup competitions, once you get to the knockouts, it's usually a stacked deck for the most part, anyway. So you can't you can't take it lightly. I mean, fate will be how it is, but you got to beat someone at least one someone along your way. Exactly, and I think the the group are particularly proud of going through the group stage of this competition against senior men's teams, unbeaten. Uh, they drew at Exeter and won the shootout. They drew at Cheltenham on the shootout, and they won at Bristol Rovers. And those are all fairly capable teams. Cheltenham, in particular, are a strong League One team. They weren't at their strongest. None of the teams that Chelsea play in this competition go full strength. A lot of them see it as a, a bit of a distraction and would rather not play it and they give some opportunities to young players but Cheltenham had some decent players in there Chelsea mostly outplayed them there were good performances across the board Xavier Mbiamba who has come in for some criticism this season is looking increasingly better by the game increasingly confident as we sort of discussed in September that when you're, you've been out for so long injured it takes a little while to shake off that rust and to find the confidence let alone finding the confidence playing A in a new country regularly for the first time and B after a season behind closed doors throughout a pandemic so he's starting to come along and play really well Charlie Webster had a really good game in that one as he did in the under 18s against Fulham playing with a little bit of an edge and a bit of an aggression that hasn't always been evident in his game that's not to say that he lacks it but let's remember that he's not 18 until January it's one of those things that it comes along as part of your development personally and professionally but it, it lifts his game when he can do that because we know he's got the technical quality we know that he can influence the game if you can add a little bit of bite and a little bit of aggression and needle in there as a central midfielder you, you suddenly become the whole package so he's 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 taking his game to another level these last two weeks and they're now five unbeaten across all competitions. That's Premier League Two. That's the EFL Trophy. That's the UEFA Youth League. And October's certainly gone better than September did. And for all of the the panic and the worry about a series of bad results early on, they're starting to settle down and to find their groove a little bit. Right. I think um, it sounds like we should be sending Charlie Webster a lot of Connor Gallagher tape. 
Uh, he has that edge. He has that bite. You know, he loves to throw in the tackle box to box. And I think that is what his, you know, helped make him so successful in all these different loan spells is that dude likes to get his hands dirty. He's like, whatever you need, Gaffer, I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. And some of the, the coaches that have come through at Chelsea over the years, uh, former players, whoever, they've been talented midfielders who played at the highest level. I don't think it matters too much, but it's certainly when you cross paths like that, it, it helps. And it's it's in that central midfield that Chelsea, at the development squad level at least, have started to settle down and and to look more of a team. If we look back at the the run of defeats that in September at West Ham, at Manchester City and at home to Arsenal, it was a very unusual central midfield. They lost at West Ham with the midfield of Ben Elliott and Tiana Ballo. And Ballo can play as a central midfielder, but a little bit miscast there. He's mostly somewhere in the in the front line. Ben Elliott having been out of regular football for the best part of two years, even including some of last season. They went to Man City and it was Elliott and Lewis Hall, who at the time were 16 years of age. Home to Arsenal, it was Elliot and Webster. So they're not only changing game to game, but with players who haven't played at this level or played at this level regularly before. And I spoke in pre-season that they missed quite a few options in the middle of the park, not only because the likes of Mars Harris and Lewis Bate left in the summer, but also because of players who were absent through injury or, or COVID or protocols or whatever. And they, they finished their pre-season with a 37-year-old Jimmy Smith playing alongside 18-year-old trialist Brad Ryan, who... Fine, good players, but not the sort of fulcrum you want to build your season on. So the fact that they've been able to settle down a bit more recently with, yes, experience, 26-year-old Lewis Baker, 21-year-old George McEachran, that helps. Suddenly you've got a youthful defence that has a little bit of protection in front of them. Players who can control the game a little bit more than some of the the someone who someone who's not so accustomed to playing at this level that settles everything down you can then play your game and i think the results speak for themselves recently they're not quite there yet but it's it's an improvement and if you project going into november you should start to see a few more wins oh yeah uh, i mean duh obviously uh so what it helps we... that they've got three home games in between now and the end of november they've got everton at home this weekend then they've got crystal palace at cobham they go to leeds which will be a very interesting game because leeds are one of the teams at this level who treat their under 23s almost as a squad uh, of its own they they sign players in for it uh, they keep the core together. They don't loan out very much. And some of those players, you see Joe Gelhard made his uh, Premier League debut at the weekend. Cody Drama played against Leeds, uh, in the against Arsenal rather, in the League Cup. So they've got some players budding for first team level. And then Brighton. So three home games out of four in the, in the next month or so. They'll be looking at that run and thinking that's an opportunity for us to move up the table. So let's go ahead and look ahead to the weekend. Right. I'm assuming that you have a full lineup of matches for the weekend. There is a full lineup indeed. We just mentioned the development squad are at home to Everton on Saturday afternoon, which is straight after the under 18s hosting Reading at Cobham in a match that will be live on Chelsea platforms. I know it's an early start stateside at 10.30 a.m. UK time. But Ooh. with any luck, that will also include a YouTube broadcast, which is left up live for people to rewatch as live and hopefully it's the first of a few under-18 league games that are going to be broadcast by the club. They've been doing development squad matches for a long time. It's been a little while since the under-18s followed suit, but hopefully this is the first of a few this season. It's also the latest in a series of matches against Reading. Um, they played uh, Reading's training ground a fortnight ago in the under-18 cup. 
Chelsea won that. They played again at Reading in the, this past midweek in the Under-17 Cup. That was a 3-3 draw. And now they're resuming at Cobham in the Under-18 League. So <laughs> they're very familiar with each other right now, Chelsea and Reading. And um, they'll be looking to continue a, a decent start to the season. They've had a little bit of stutter in form, but at home, you, you back them to, to, to win this sort of match, especially having gone to Reading fortnight ago one three two yeah the club administrators are just like on speed dial at this point <laughs> yes they're very familiar with each other um and then on tuesday the under 19s are in sweden for match day four of the UEFA youth league away to malmo who they beat four two at king's meadow last time out you'd like to think that they could pick up another three points there and really assert themselves in the group going into match days five and six and securing qualification for the knockouts there as we've previously discussed yeah. All right. Well, obviously, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I believe the women are back in action, too. Obviously, the men continuing their run. So uh, I think that's what, like seven matches in three or four days for the club. So Yeah, all <laughs> um, across the board. And then there's an international break and there'll be 20 something players away. There's, there's, that's, that's just at the under 16 to 21s level. There's there's an under 15 training camp going uh, on with England at the minute. And the next generation of players that we'll be talking about more in two to three years time are getting oh my representation there at St. George's Park. So it never stops. There's quality coming through at all age groups. If you want to feel really old, the under-15 group is 2007-born. No. Uh, leave it there. No, uh, come on. We don't want to feel very old, do when we? When we start talking about the next generation, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're talking. That's a that's a gap. But, you know, exciting for them. Uh, the cycle doesn't stop, including our birthdays, which also <laughs> push us <laughs> further along. So, uh as always, Phil, super appreciative of uh, all the knowledge you bring on the youth teams. Uh, you know, again, more and more excitement. The content is more and more accessible than ever before. You don't have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to watch it. Watch it back later. Uh, go to Phil's timeline. He tweets out all the action as well, so you can kind of get a feel for how things went. But uh, have a great weekend, sir. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. All right. Back to the pod. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Those were some amazing academy updates uh, i give phil an 11 out of 10 and brandon busby what's your what's your grade there nick uh barely passing dan uh barely passing Pro- probably a, a d plus like tommy boy um wow. i got a d plus i got a d plus he's like doing cartwheels throughout the thing he's not here to defend himself so he can't say anything that's true it's true. This is what happens. When you go away from the podcast, you uh, are liable to whatever is said. You uh, open yourself up to all of it. That's what you do. Uh, anyway, we've got a couple of wonderful questions from our Chelsea community on our Discord. Uh, it's a Patreon perk. If you haven't subbed, uh, I'd recommend it because we have great conversations like these. And Nash, who's... I'm not going to... We don't have to answer this question, Nick. But I just want to acknowledge that it was a funny incident on social media. <laughs> where uh, Benjamin Chilwell uh, has this habit of sticking his finger into things. Uh, Most recently, Kai Havertz's nostril. And uh, Nash wouldn't know if we had to choose. Whose nostril are we sticking a finger in? My answer is none. No. Um, I think your answer is no as well. But, uh, you know, I I don't mind the the Chilwell humor. I think he's a, seems like he's a good cut up, a good individual to have in the locker room. Yeah. Werner as well has, has done this to food in the past. Uh, you know, so look, I, we're still in COVID times. I'm not sticking my fingers up anybody's nostril at all. That's just not, it's not where it is. However, big Nash, we, we should think of a prank war, uh, and, and think of who might be the best prankster of the pod trio. Ooh, 
It's probably Nick. Just knowing me, my uh, me. knowing our luck, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Mick Glees with a, a more Chelsea-centric question uh, is asking: Based off current form and availability, who are your top five players for Chelsea right now? Ooh, okay. The availability one, I think, it adds a wrinkle to it. And I want to kind of underline that with the choices: is that it's current form, so it's basically how good were they in the last week, and. Where are they at in terms of being available to, to start with any regularity? Current form. All right. So it is Mendy. It is Rudiger. It is Kovacic. It is... See, if you're going last week, I, I couldn't give it to Dave, although Dave's been playing really well this season. Chilwell. And finally, even though he missed the penalty midweek, I'm going to give it to Mason. So I have almost the same list. I think Mendy is probably my current player of the season for Chelsea, just like where he's at. Like I know we've, we've for sure, for sure, great, great, you know, results from Kovacic, like not to take anything away from him. I think Rudiger is continuing to play out of his mind. You know, to me, it's very similar to for those who watch American football or the NFL. Uh, it's very similar where someone's like in their contract year and they just happen to have like the best form of their lives right before they sign the big deal. Um, I think our full, our full backs are just absolutely insane. I think actually James, uh, Reese James continuing to just like slot penalties home, continuing to be just an absolute demon for <laughs> these sides to defend against is an absolute problem. Chilwell is just, in another level right now, he's put Alonzo back on the bench. And I, I think it was almost Kova, but I'm ended up going uh, Mason here just because I think that his uh, his form is right back where it needs to be at kind of our toughest moment. Yeah, I, I, so I, I think my only issue with your, with your five is that Reese has not played that much football this year and has, has come back pretty recently to the squad. I You know, like, I think you have, like... I think mine is correct because Kovacic has played a lot more football this year. I, I, I and I wouldn't mind that. Like, I, I think the six option is the inverse of like what we both have, right? Like, I think Kova would come into mine and James might come into yours, but I don't know. Like, would your six one be Reese James or it'd be somebody else? It could also be Christensen because he's also had a really good season, yeah, too. Yeah, Christensen. I was thinking about it's between Christensen, Cal, and, and Reese for me. Okay. Well, let us know what your thoughts are. Hit us up on social media. We're going to answer a non-Chelsea question now from Bill of Rights. What's the best brand of frozen pizza? Because, again, this is what this podcast is about. Uh, best brand of frozen pizza. Man. <laughs> uh, I've eaten a lot of frozen pizza in my day. Um, it's clearly a to- Totino's party pizza, right? Absolutely not. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Um, I am, I'm a Trader Joe's fanatic, so I like Trader Joe's, uh, Supreme pizza, whatever they call it, pizza Parlano thing. If you're, if you're looking for a high quality frozen pizza, go that direction. I like the CPK ones. Like I, I think they're, they're a little small, they're a little on the smaller side, uh, but they also help you portion control too, because a frozen pizza can sometimes go from being like a recommended four servings to being like a recommended one serving. And uh, you just got to make sure that uh, you avoid that situation. Any frozen pizza. All together. Any frozen pizza can be one serving if you believe in yourself, Dan. So just 
just make it happen, you know? All right. Well, Tom has the question with what is the best and worst Halloween candy, which kind of ties in to Mr. M. Dempsey's question, which is why does Candy Corn exist and how long is is relegated to non-existence? It's trash. Like Candy Corn is absolute trash. However, black licorice is just awful. That is my worst Halloween candy. I just, I black. What is the point? of eating that dirt flavored thing. Like it's, it's just awful. I mean, yeah. if you were ever, so you go with your worst day and then we'll go with our best. How about that? So I, I think they were super common in the, the bags that I would get when I was trick or treating as a kid. I'm, I've like hate Tootsie Rolls. I think they're awful. Yeah. Oh, that's and a good one. I, I think they are absolutely like candy corn is the winner. That is the default option for me. And I know there are people who just are wrong but believe in their wrongness so much they won't agree with me. But if I had to choose one that was not candy corn, it's it's Tootsie Rolls for me. Those are the first ones I would trade to my sister. <laughs> be like, hey, you take this one. I'll take one of your better candies. Uh, could I uh, could I throw in another one too? What is the um, the sucker that has the Tootsie Roll in it? Is it a Tootsie Pop? It's a Tootsie Pop, yeah. I hate those fucking things. I think they're terrible. I like really, really bad. That's sneaky worst Halloween candy option there. Yeah, I think best is anything like Reese's Pieces, Reese's Cup. Like those were always a, a winner in my mind. Can I can I go way off the ranch here? Because uh, like is this gonna be like you know, like the neighbor makes a homemade one that you trust no, and like nobody no. else could get it. No, and it yeah, it's not from any uh, dispensary either. So. Uh, <laughs> um, whilst I will admit if you were ever to get a king size, anything in your Halloween bag, you scored, right? Like that was just your yeah, favorite. You're a winner. You're a winner. I, th- I am a Smarties fanatic. I love Smarties and it is like, it's just crack cocaine in candy form. So it's just pure sugar. But, uh, smart. If I got a bunch of Smarties at the end of the day, when I was trick or treating, I was really happy, dude. There you go. That's good. Uh, again, ho- good luck for those trick or treating this weekend, potentially, or just buying the bags of Halloween candy on the first of November and uh, getting that sweet, sweet discount at the drugstore. We keep asking the question: What's your hangover cure for late nights or long weekends? And if for Lenny, you might be the most equipped to answer this after this past weekend. <laughs> well, I wouldn't recommend getting on a flight really early in the morning whilst you're hungover. I feel like that was a, a poor choice. Um, hangover cure. Okay, so when you get home and you know there's a strong chance you're going to be hungover the next day, the best thing that you can do for your body and your life is to chug two glasses of water, two full glasses of water, because your hangover is only going to be as bad as your dehydration at that point. So chug them, just wake up in the middle of the night, pee, do what you got to do, but like get that water in. And then I will say a solid brunch with some sort of brunch shot or drink is a way to get back on the horse really easily. Uh, Dan took me to, uh, this wonderful place called Fats in Seattle this past weekend. And I'll tell you, it was one of the top five brunches of my life, one of the top things I've ever eaten in my life. Uh, that and an Irish coffee together, baby, good to go. Look, not sponsorship, but Fats has a amazing honey butter chicken biscuit <sighs> on their brunch menu. And it is quite the option if you're in Seattle on a weekend. But I have to agree. 
H2O and you're good to go. Like that to me is always the answer. And, uh, you know, moderation. Like, you know, pace yourself. Enjoy the weekend. You know, don't rush it. Make it a good time. Uh, Gabriel's last question before we round out is what piece of poetry or quote do mm. you go to for inspiration or reassurance or something that you find that motivates you or find motivating? It's a, it's a good one. Uh, I have one. Um, it's a, it's a thing about persistence, which is the race not always goes to the swift, but, but to those who keep on running. I, uh, for, for writing, I like to use uh, little Shakespeare brevity is the soul of wit to remind myself that you don't have to go too long in what you're trying to put together. And then, uh, there's a quote, my, my high school English teacher always used to use, which was hard work beats talent every time when talent doesn't work hard. Yep. And that that's one that always has stuck with me, too, is that like you have to be both. You can't be one or the other. And uh, if you rely on that talent too much, uh, which I may have done in some classes occasionally <laughs> throughout my uh, my time and my studies, um, you know, you get burned for it. So don't do that. My uh, my CEO also uses if you're not growing, you're dying. And uh, that's a that's a good one to kick you in the ass when you need it. Well, that wraps it up, Nick. We went through answers to random questions, Chelsea top five current players, what's going to happen against Newcastle this weekend. Brandon and Phil gave us a wonderful youth update. But anything else before we bounce out of here and let the people enjoy their evening or their start of the day before the match? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I am I'm really excited that we're getting this trip done uh, early in the year. The trip to Newcastle, I think. You know, better not leave that for when they improve or whatever. And so let's just go up there, handle our business, make sure that we leave with um, no injuries and uh, and then just get ready for an upcoming stretch. I mean, you know, Chelsea have been handling business against the, the sides that they need to handle business against. So let's keep that trend up and we're going to be just fine this season. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do at the top of the table. Keep the blue flag flying high.